We are 30 years old. Wow. My gosh, we have come such a long way. If this is your first time, a very special welcome to you. But we don't get as crazy as this every Sunday. <laughs> we're crazy, we're just not as crazy as this every Sunday. If this is your first time, a welcome to you. My name is Pastor Peter. I'm the executive pastor here. We're celebrating not just because we're 30 years old, but because we have just bought some new property up in Apopka. And we're excited to move there. Uh, right after the service, we're going to be doing a barbecue. There's going to be copious amounts of food. There is going to be bounce houses. We also have the fire department coming. So if anything happens, we're all cool. We have the police department coming. We've got a canine unit. We've even got a SWAT truck. In case any terrorist activity happens, we've got the SWAT truck there. <laughs> Someone asked me, what if something happens? I'm like, don't worry about it. We've got every uh, first service responder uh, uh, coming to this whole thing. So we're really excited. Listen, I need to say thank you to so many people. I need to say thank you to the people that are up there right now. I think they're probably broadcasting in right now, but they are setting the tents up. They're setting the food up. They're setting the drinks up. There are people working there right now. And, uh, and also yesterday and this past week, there's been so many people who have been... Um, Clearing the land for us, getting rid of the ants, cutting the grass, uh, taking out the brush. It's been absolutely wonderful. Can we just do a collective round of thanks to those people who are putting so much work into us? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Pastor Mark and I are going to do some te team teaching here just to kind of give us an encouragement of the word that we feel like that God is bringing us to for the next 30 years. But right now, I want to do a little bit of recognition because there are so many people who were a part of this church when it first started. And, um, and believe it or not, Pastor Mark and Dr. Crystal started this church out of their living room, right? Out of their very, they just invited people over and they started a group and it kept growing and growing and growing. Can I have the people that were possibly there at the beginning, right in Pastor Mark and Dr. Crystal's living room, could you stand up for me right now? Who was there right at the beginning? Wow, the Dosses. Jack Norris. The Evans, of course. Christine Sellers, which I think you were Christine LeBlanc back then. So there's about five of us there. We, we are just so amazed with what you've done. Could you guys stand up again one more, one more time, okay? Because there's another group of people I want to join you right now. Who were there after the first year? Who was the ones who came to the warehouse? Who was at the warehouse when they first left the living room and then they found their way? Look at them all. Look at them all. Let's give them a round of applause. Come on. Wow. All over here at the back, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Don't you sit down, stay standing. We want to just say, listen, there is no golden watch we can give you for what you have done. There is no, there's nothing that we can probably say to say thank you enough because it takes visionaries, it takes pioneers to put the first foot on the ground of the new land. 
it takes, it takes pioneers to, to clear the brush, to clear the way for everybody else. And we want to give you a debt of thanks for every one of you who decided to say, yeah, we're going to come to this wee church in the middle of nowhere because we believe in the vision and the calling that this church has got. And I'm saying from the bottom of my heart, now that I'm leading this church, I want to say thank you for what you have done because I am so, so freaking grateful for what you have done. I really am. So I think one last round of applause as you're seated right now. Wow. Wow. You guys have been so faithful, absolutely so faithful. Last year, we decided to ask a question as we were about to hit 30 years old is, what are we about? What are we doing? What is our vision? And our vision has always been about growing a family church, growing a family church that people could gather together. But the more we talked about this as leaders, the more we started to discover there is one phrase that we really believe sums up our church, and this is it. It's building a church for generations, building a church for generations that go past us because you folks that were, that were here right at the beginning, you've literally built a church for us who came in afterwards and then stole all the glory from you, right? We, we, we came in and swooped in all the food after you, kicked, you, you cooked it. We, we, we are so grateful that you decided to build a church for generations. But the more that we thank you, I need more amens this morning because I'm going to be preaching 100% better than any response you could ever give me this morning, right? So I'm telling you, this is, the more we talked about it, the more we realized this is more than just a church for generations because the word church, of course, is something that, that, that it, it's not completely clear to so many people because what is a church, or maybe you've been hurt by a church, or maybe you think church stinketh in the name of Jesus, but I'm telling you, the church is what Jesus died for. But it's more than that. That's why we believe that we're building a purpose for generations. We're building a community for generations. We're building families for generations. We're building hope for generations. We are building a church for generations. Can I hear a loud amen? Come on. And so as we were praying about this and we were thinking about this, we realized that, wait a second, we're not just getting a new building here. We're not just getting new property. We're building a church as a community of people for generations so that your children and your children's children and hopefully your children's children's children will be able to inherit this church and go, wow, look how far we've come. So this morning, we're going to talk about a topic called Think Three. Think Three. Three, this is the way I want us to start thinking for the future. Think three. Pastor Mark, I'm going to tag you in here. Think big three. One of the incredible things is, is you learn about God and you see how God dealt. And from the very beginning, God referred to himself as the God of three people, three generations in a row. You know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it, it, it's, it's not that... You, you, you know other names. I mean, those of us who have been in the faith for a while, you know, you know he's had many names as people just, uh, experienced him. They made, a, you know, they made a name for him. You know, uh, the banner, the banner over me, the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, the God that goes before us. And, but there's one name. That, that's what men gave the name to God because that's what they experienced. But God gave himself a name to be known by. And he said, because I want to be known by a God of three generations. And each generation was different. There was the, the God of Abraham. And as we see in, in the verse in Exodus 3.15, it says, moreover, God said to Moses, says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, 
the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of who? And the God of Jacob. And this is, this is the clincher. He goes, this is my name forever. He's a God of generations. He's not here to just, to, you know, like, hey, this, this generation is blessed and it's over. No, it, it's interesting that I, I was listening to Dave Ramsey yesterday or the day, day before, and he's a financial guy, and he's very wealthy. And he, one of the questions he was asking this person who wanted to up their income, he said, what is the income of, of your best friends? And he said, well, that's about what I make. It's not enough. He goes, you got to get new friends. He goes, because you will end up, if you have friends who make a million dollars, and those are the people you hang around with, before you die, you'll make a million dollars for this reason. You're a part of a community, and you will do and act and say what they do and act and say. So we're building a community, and that community is in generations. It's just not one generation. It's just not one community. This community spans, I mean, look around. When people come here to visit, the first thing they say to me is not about the worship. It's not about the teaching. It's not about how good-looking the pastor is or was. <laughs> I went into a store the other day with a friend I fish with, and I said, he goes, what are you going to do? I'm going to go in there and buy something with my good looks. He goes, what if, they, what if they won't sell it to you? I go, I'll bring you in as a reference what good looks is. <laughs> he shut up. Um, so we're, we're building, and that's what God said. He, when, when he says this, think three, he's saying, think for generations. And to think, so when people come here, it's not the worship. They look around, they go, look at all the young people. <laughs> and, and that's when they're looking at the 30-year-olds. <laughs> At my church, there's no one there that's got any color in their hair that's natural. <laughs> They're amazed. And this was, this was the first flyer that we did as a church, a church for generations. This isn't something new. It's 30 years old, and look at it. It was, it was a dream. It was a vision. And guess what? It's not over. We're, we're going... Well, it's still a church of generations. And that is the Lord's name forever. Forever. So in this, you look at, you look at Abraham. You can see Abraham, his name was Abram. And it, God changed it because he said, hey, it's accounted to you. Abram meant many. But God changed it. He goes, no, I'm going to give you. I had no children. He goes, I'm giving you a new name. Here's your new name. Abraham means many a father of many. It's like, wow. So he says, I'm the God of Abraham. And I can see why he would say, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm, Abraham, it was counted him as faithful. He was faithful and righteous because he believed. Because he just flat out believed. When he was 90, when, when he's 100 and his wife's 90, the Lord said, he goes, look, you've you, you got to do this the right way. You're going to have a child with your wife. When Abraham told Sarah, she laughed. But guess what? Yes, sir, they had a baby. They may have laughed. Some of you may laugh at the promise of God or the vision of God for you. But you know what? You be faithful and it's counted unto you as righteousness. So I can see God. Can you see God saying, hey, whoo. He goes, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm, God of, I'm a God of, 
I call him my friend. He was a friend of God. And then the God of Isaac, because I'm Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac was the promised child of Abraham that was going to carry this heritage. You know, he was going to, you know, his father was going to be the father of many. Now, now it's on Isaac because he is, he is the only born of Abraham and Sarah. Now it's on him. The promised child. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. Who's next? You know what Jacob means? Trickster, liar. Wait a minute. <laughs> Abraham, friend of God. Isaac, the promised son. Trickster liar. Yes, he's not the guy that we allow, we would let take up the offering. <laughs> or, hey, hey, you want to serve the children? Yeah, go over there. No, no, we're not going to. He's be doing card tricks and, you know, pitching pennies on the wall. I mean, his guy is a cheat. Now, here's the thing. That cheat wrestled with God, wrestled with an angel, and it threw his hip out. And God changed his name to Israel. But what name did God choose to be the God of? He didn't choose Jacob. I mean, he, he, did, he didn't choose Israel. He chose his name of the trickster. And let me know what? That's a God of generations. If we look at the people in the past, that's something. But dadgummit, there was a whole lot of Jacob in me. He's a God of Jacob's that he's going to wrestle with. Who's got a son or a grandson or a daughter? They need the God of Jacob. You know, we sit around and what, what Abraham did was great and what Isaac did was great and what Jacob would always, he was a trickster and he's still the God of the trickster. He goes, I'll deal with that. I'm a God of generations. I'm a Oh, the next generation. You don't know how bad the next generation is. Let me know you don't know my God because he's a God of that generation too. Wow. And, and here's the reason. It's God comes to us where we are so we can be where he is. A God of generations. Fantastic. The God that we serve is that God. Boy, it would have been so easy for him to just choose the name Israel. But he knows where we're at. He knows where you're at. How many, how many got a little bit of Jacob in them? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more in the past than now, but come on. How many have got a son or a granddaughter who's got a lot of Jacob in them? Uh-huh. And it was just it's settling to know that he's the God of Jacob. Wow. Just dropped the mic and went, you're on. Great. Nice. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm one of these rap contests. I've got to try and keep up. But, no, okay. 
Thinking three is about honoring the past and serving the future. So if it's thinking three into, thinking about three generations all the time, these three generations are the past and the future. You're right in the middle somewhere. And, uh, and so there's a story for when he taken Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but there's another story in the Bible as well of, uh, of three significant generations. And uh, I'm going to ask you a quick question. I'm going to do a quick quiz here. There was an old man with a long beard, and he led the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. Do you know what his name was? Moses. You guys are good. You guys have been to school. It's good. And when he had taken them, he, the, God realized that they were a stubborn people, and God walked for 40 years with them, didn't abandon them, but he walked with them to change something in them. And he walked with them to prove a point, and it was this, you have to trust me. That's simply all it was. You have to trust me. And when he walked with them for 40 years, it says that generation passed on, and then their children were entrusted with the calling that God had put on the people of Israel, and that was to cross over to the promised land. Does anyone know the name of the guy who led them into the promised land? Oh, you guys are good. This is really good. And then Joshua took the 12 tribes that had grown and they conquered, they, they, they divided up the land and they took pieces and they took parts and they, they chased out the people that were in the land, which sounds like colonialism, right? But the fact is God had already sent his word to those people and they had rejected him. And he said, then I'm going to give it as a gift to my children here if you want to actually accept my ways. And so he, he, he gave them a, a mandate to go conquer the land. And then the next generation, when that generation passed away, the next generation came along. Do you know what the name of that generation was? Do you know what the name of the leader was? There was none. But my son just called out one that was very good. It's called Idols. Have you been studying the Bible or something? <laughs> he read my notes, that's right. There's actually a saddest scripture, I believe, in the Old Testament, and it's this in Judges 2, verse 10. It says, after the Joshua generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. That's quite a sobering, non-celebratory type of scripture to be bringing on a 30th anniversary here for us. But I'd taken note of this about two, three years ago. I came across this scripture and it struck me to the heart. And it was something that made me take a pause and a moment of my life with walking with God to realize that what am I doing in order to make sure our children and our children's children are carrying the word of the Lord too. Because you see, there are two things that we must teach our children as we are trying to hand them on the next generation. The first one is this, how to walk with God. But it says, it says that third generation neither knew the Lord. Now, it's easy for us to, to be busy about conquering the land, and we want to try and teach our children religious ways. You've got to do this, and you've got to do that, but it's not about religion. It's about walking with our Father God, who, by the way, doesn't run ahead. He only walks at three miles an hour. He proved, he proved it for 40 years that that's the common speed of a humankind. He walked for three miles an hour with the Jews in the desert for 40 years. I believe he walks with us every day, and he doesn't allow us to run ahead, but he changes us day by day through a relationship with him, not by building churches and not by making a religious community, not by programs, but by lifestyle, not by just good deeds, but by holiness. 
This is what God has called us to teach our children, how to walk with God, not how to attend church, but how to walk with God. The second thing I believe we're meant to teach our children in that scripture is this, is what God did for us in the past, what God did for them in the past, because it says, nor what he had done for Israel. The third generation didn't know what, how is this possible? How is it possible that these generation of people didn't know what happened with Moses? This seems insane. Didn't you hear about the, the parting of the Red Sea? Didn't you hear about the feeding of the thousands in the middle of the desert? Didn't you hear about the water that came out the rock? Didn't you hear about the chariots being covered and how God protected them and had a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke? Surely you must have heard. It was the most amazing stuff that has been heard ever, and it says they never knew it. That blows my mind away. So ask me this, it got to a place where I asked myself this question, why was it that the Joshua generation didn't do a good job of passing that message on? This is the only thing I could come up with to try and understand it, and it was this. They were so busy building and conquering the next vision. This is where we have to protect ourselves, folks. Christians, we have to protect this part of ourselves that we do not forget that we are teaching our children into the future. If we don't learn from history, we are bound to repeat it. I don't want my children repeating my history. I want them to know about it and then don't repeat it. I want them to know it by knowledge and not by experience. And I believe there are two things that knowing about our past, what it does for us is the first one, it brings gratitude for our children. So our children can know what price was paid to get to where they are, right? Have you ever given a gift to a child and they're like, oh, I don't like that, right? And you're like, I worked overtime. Do you know how much overtime I worked to try and get that gift to give it to you? I don't like this house. I don't like my bedroom. Do you know how much I've worked to find this house? And you don't want to, you don't want to kind of rebuke them and give them a, you know, a budgetary type of, you know, uh, here's what we're doing. You can't give that to children. They can't understand that. But we have to teach them where we come from so that they can eventually get to the place that the gratitude of connecting where we are is connected with the past, fills their heart up with gratitude so it finally releases itself into wisdom in their life. You know what wisdom is? Let me tell you the simple way of understanding wisdom is this. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge, right? It's not just having knowledge. We've got knowledge everywhere. Our car kids have got Google up the wazoo. I don't even know what the wazoo is, but it is up there. And I'm telling you, they have so much information at their fingertips, but it doesn't mean they've converted it into wisdom. Does that make sense? So it's on us to make sure that we help our children to convert what they have into wisdom. I'm a pastor's kid. My father was a pastor, and I thought he was the first one in our generations. It wasn't until after my father passed away that I realized my grandparents that I'd never met, my great-grandfather was a lay preacher. And when he was a lay preacher, he was he had the largest children's ministry in the area, on the other side of the loch, as they say. And every time the children would come on a Sunday to go to his children's ministry, there was a, there was a check. It was called a neck check and an elbow and, knee, and knees check. And he would always have someone standing at the door to check their necks and to check their elbows and to check their knees. Why? Because in those days, they didn't take baths. And so he would always make sure that the children would come prepared to be in the presence of the Lord. And if they weren't ready, he'd say, you're not coming in today. 
Wait, wait, you mean someone would reject a child? Yes, you're not ready for the Lord. If your heart's not ready and your body's not ready, you're not ready for the Lord. Don't try and chase after God. It'll kill you. And so he sent them away. But the amazing thing is, his ministry exploded and it grew and it grew and it grew. In fact, he used to be known as the man, the only man around that could get children to take a bath. Now that's a miracle right there. I'll tell you that for free. I'm proud of that now, but it took me a long time to discover that, that, wait a second, I'm a third in that generation. Now it started to make me wonder if maybe my great-great-grandfather was something to, and I realized that there's a heritage built in, and I'm telling you, there is something powerful about heritage, and this is what we're doing, is we're trying to build a heritage that we can give to our children so that they don't have to repeat our mistakes, they don't have to conquer the same things, they can take off where we landed, and they can go to another level in this city. Is that not good news? That really is, Tag, you're in. Let me... When you live in the north of Scotland, it's real easy to miss a bath or two. <laughs> the water's so hard. <laughs> wow. The think three. The, the, the thinking of three and, and the verses that we passed, it really applied to the, the second part. Because remember Timothy, and Paul's writing a letter, and he writes to Timothy. He goes, you know, I remember your mother and your grandmother. And who were they? Eunice. He goes, and the other one. <laughs> and grandma. <laughs> he said, you know, I remember their faith. And this, this is what's so, in, it's, it's so rich. He goes, I remember your grandmother's faith. And I know your mother's faith. And here's what I'm going to say. It's now your faith. We don't know if he had it or not. He was claiming that third generation because he had a spiritual right because he serves a God of three generations. And then and the scripture says, you know, the righteous, and listen to the wording, the righteous leave inheritance for their children. I'm concerned. For my kids and my righteousness, what I might leave. <laughs> but you know what? As I looked into it, the next line says, and we're going to inherit the wealth of the wicked. So inheritance? What did Timothy inherit from his grandmother and mother? Their faith. That's the first thing I want to believe is the inheritance I'm leaving for my kids. If they could get faith, they're going to, they're going to get the wealth of the wicked. They need a, an inheritance of faith. They need an inheritance of a culture of faith. You know, who, who can put in your heart right now this prayer that I pray? Lord, may the first thing my children inherit from me is faith and let them build upon what is theirs let them build upon the wealth that they're going to get from me from from dr crystal let the faith that my children are going to build upon be the inheritance to their children my grandchildren because money 
That's not a deal. It says the wealth, the wealth's going to come because of the wicked. They're going to give up their wealth to the righteous. The real inheritance is believing and walking. That's great. That's a great inheritance. <clears throat> well, thinking three, building a church for generations. You know, here's the deal about when it's a generational church is that your vision has to be bigger than yourself. Because if my kids are going to build upon what I have and their kids are going to build upon what's given to them, from where I'm looking, I can't even imagine what my grandkids are going to be able to build. Because I am so involved with right here. We've got to take a step of faith. So I have to take hold of something. You know what? I may not have the permission to build, but I need to build the environment so they can walk into it. Because if I don't, then they got to start from scratch. So it comes down to King David, who's conquered everybody, he's beat up everybody, and he's, he's done all the sinning for all of us, and he's repented, and God still likes him. And so he says, oh, you know what? I want to build, build the temple. And God said, no, you're a man of war. You're a man of war. And you've got blood all over you. So what are you going to do? He goes, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. Because God told him, he goes, oh, you're going to have a son. And you're going to name him Solomon. I want you to gather. You can gather. So David makes a statement. I'm going to do what my son can't do. He's not even born. He goes, I'm going to do, because of his age, I'm going to gather so that he can build the temple. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're asking for some of us who are capable, who, who want to build something bigger than themselves. To have that spirit. And, and, and here's how big it was because when the Lord gave him that word, Solomon wasn't born. And then when David died and handed Solomon the kingdom, Solomon was 20. So David had been storing up for over 20 years for his son to build this incredible temple. It was beyond what David could do. But David did the groundwork to what's going to be done. And that's, God bless some of you. You got a better, you, you're looking healthy. You got a little tan this week because you've been out on the property working. You know what? This vision's bigger than me. It is. It, it needs a lot more energy than I got left. I went over to my brother-in-law's yesterday after being on the property all week, and he goes, you look tired. Thanks. <laughs> like I didn't know. That's why I came over here to get into air conditioning. <laughs> I want to be a David. I want to start gathering for that next generation. 
Some people are going, I don't, I don't see why. Why can't we just have another service? Why can't we have it? You know what? Here's how prophetic. This just smacked me. So I'm driving around. I go over to see uh, Sayla's soccer game before I go to the property. It is like two blocks away. This Orange County built a multi-million dollar. It's got soccer fields, softball fields, that amphitheater. This place is huge. It's bigger than half the cities in Florida. And, you, and to, you know, you start looking for it take an extra hour to find the field that they're playing on. The traffic was incredible. Does anyone know the name of that complex? Northwest Recreational Center. Come on. Are you kidding me? I'm not that smart. You really got to rely on God. You got a bigger picture. And we said, hey, why are we going to name this? Well, let's not name it this, you know, City of Love or, you know, because it says all dated. Let's get something that has no dates on it. Northwest. It's the northwest side of Orlando. Orlando, now we're no longer northwest. Now we're northwest Orange County. We were, thinking, we were thinking Pine Hills. The Lord was thinking the county, Mount Dora. Apopka, tangerine, <laughs> for those Florida people. It's right there. <laughs> wow. How incredible. He is the one who will build the house in my name. Will you be the one who will build God's house in his name? I accept it. I'm accepting something bigger that I can't figure out. I'm going to gather. I've been mowing. I've been trimming. I've been fighting ants. The devil with those ants. And a pocket gopher. I curse it. How much fun. How much fun. We're going to finish today by, by, by worshiping together just one song at the end because I feel like we need to end it when, in a spirit of joy. If I can have the band that will come up. Um, Dr. Crystal, if you can come up here as well, please, um, so that we can embarrass you. And um, um, so we are, um, <laughs> as you know, 30 years old. And, uh, and so as we're, uh, right after the service, just a quick and few instructions, we're going to go right up to uh, 1567 Plymouth Sorrento Road. That's where the new property is. It's literally between 10 and 15 minutes away from here, depending on who's driving. And um, it's me, it's 10 minutes. If it's you, it might be 15. It's not that far from here. But we would love you to come up. We've got so many people have been preparing the land, preparing the food. There's a tent there. The mayor is going to be there. And we've got some big scissors for him to, to uh, prophetically cut the ribbon into our future as we are taking this land. And uh, I want us to end this part today with just one last song of celebration. But I'm asking Mark and Crystal to come here as well because um, um, this is, uh, I haven't told you about this, have I? No. <laughs> this is great. This is the fun part. Um, you can be together like you're married. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, this, is, this, is the this is the time where you get golden watches or get cakes and say thank you, that type of stuff. But I know them because I'm married to them, right? So I don't have a choice. I know them. 
And I know this, that there is no gold or silver that will ever impress them, that will ever move the needle for them, that will ever thank them enough. But I know that there's one thing that always moves them, and that is relationship. And so right now, what I want us to do is I want us to stand to our feet right now. And I want us to emotionally, relationally, prophetically give them the biggest loud of applause so that they can know how much we love them and how much they have finished this part of the vision. And a reminder that there's another 30 years to go as well, Pastor Martin Crystal as well. So are you ready to do this? Let's do this. Come on.